Hey friends, welcome to the Dreaming in the Hollow podcast. I'm your host, Diana Hansen, and this episode is the first one of the year 2021. We completed a full year of episodes from Mountain Hollow, and I'm very excited to be able to say that. Today, I had such fun and felt such gratitude to be able to connect with Maureen Short from Lightheart Sanctuary in New Haven, Vermont. I met Maureen many years ago. We connected through a women's retreat that happened uh, yearly or twice a year where many, many uh, healers of all kinds and practitioners of all kinds uh, would join together in this one retreat where we would share our gifts and sing and have meals together and take classes from each other um, and also receive healing from each other. Um, And it was always a treat to gather together and such powerful work we, we did and held for each other. So when I met Maureen, I just, um, felt such a strong connection to her. She felt so familiar to me. Um, And everything that she said in the course I took with her resonated deeply. I just felt there was such a familiarity with her that I could not explain. Um, And today, when I look back at that now, I can look at both of our sanctuaries that each of us have created and how there are so many um, similarities within the two of us um, and, and the spaces we've created and how they've been created, you know, our, our, our circular um, <laughs> sacred spaces in the woods and bringing people to the land and con- reconnecting with nature and offering so much to everyone who gathers. So I wanted to... Um, share Maureen with you and what she does in her community and how she does it. I also wanted her uh, to talk about flower essences and her experience with them. She's been making them for many, many years and doing the work she does also for many, many years. So she has so much to offer to all of us in terms of uh, experience, perspective, um, and healing. So I hope you enjoy this incredible episode as much as I do, and I look forward to um, coming back for another episode soon. On a side note, really quickly, um, I am right now working with Zoom because at the moment, this is how I'm recording, using the audio recordings um, for the podcast. And I did a new thing today with Maureen where I recorded the first segment on our call and stopped the recording. We were done. We took a break. And then when we returned, I restarted the recording. Um, And it was recording. It was all working well. And then stopped when we were done. And I noticed that there was no download, um, no file saved anywhere. So... I, as I record this, I'm speaking to you now, I am working with Zoom to try to recover that file um, and also moving through lots of feels <laughs> in losing it. I don't think I've lost it. I think it's um, suspended in 
Zoom space and I'm praying that I have a magical technician to help me recover it. If it's not recovered, after the first segment of this podcast, you'll hear me come back and I'm going to recap as best I can on the topics that Maureen covered. Um, Because I can explain some things, absolutely, I can recall them, I just got off the call with her now. However, what I can't recap is the amazing, magical things that Maureen said during that segment. And although I'm praying that it is not, uh, has not disappeared into... um, the web space it may have so (laughs) um, I'm going to be prepared to share as much as I can with you in the second segment however the first segment is much longer than the second one and it is full of wonderful uh, wisdom and information that I know is going to be helpful no matter what so um, moving through the feels and the emotions of worry and disappointment at this very moment but i have faith that this will work out the way it is supposed to and you will receive whatever it is you need to receive from maureen in this first segment so hopefully um something will work out magically as i get off this recording (laughs) so sending love to you all in this new year and hoping you are well and safe and have support and i will continue to come to you on this podcast and offer uh, discussions around healing and story and evolving and growth and offer perspective and tools that can only help and support you move forward in your life and on your journey and that's really the goal All of the people that I interview and talk to are very special and unique and offer so much to their local community. So I'm very grateful to be able to use this platform to share farther out than I could in the yurt here at Mountain Hollow. So stay tuned, loving you all, and enjoy um, dipping into this discussion with Maureen. Hey Maureen, it's so good to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on in this wild time. Good morning, Diana, and thank you for inviting me. I'm really, really happy to be here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful to see you. I haven't seen any any of us women in a very long time. So I just want to start by checking in with you and just seeing how you're doing today, the day after inauguration, um, and how you are in this now moment, and uh, we could talk about where you are um, and what you do in your community. Well, the day after the inauguration finds me just filled with joy and hope and optimism, and to see the overnight shift from the time of Trump and the, and the whole vibe and the energy of that, to have that gone from the heart of our nation is just overwhelmingly fabulous. And to be honest with you, my husband and I watched the inauguration yesterday. And when Kamala, whose name means Lotus in Hindi, when she took her oath of office, we both were just spontaneously sobbing. Um, 
we have a 13 year old half black granddaughter. And I often think about and have had to support my family in the last four years, our daughter married a man from Africa. And so we have a beautiful mixed race family and my heart has just broken so many times over these past four years with phone calls to um, calm fears, give love and support. And also um, at times being uh, very concerned about their safety. So mm -hmm. yesterday, it was such a phenomenal switch. And I was so overjoyed that President Biden sat down and did a series of executive orders that undid the hateful, ugly, unkind to the most extreme extent executive orders banning Muslims. And, and then Joe stopped the Keystone Pipeline, the Arctic drilling, um, has appointed Representative Holland to the uh, head of the, uh, the Bureau of uh, Land Management. So many incredible positive possibilities. While I'm not naive whatsoever that we are sitting in a huge pile of rubble that President Trump came in and threw a grenade on all of the crumbling, weakening, dissolving systems because they can't stand in the light of the, of the new earth that we are uh, creating and welcoming. The energies of that old just had to dissolve. And so we're in rubble. And now we have to roll up our sleeves. Every one of us roll up our sleeves and do and be however we can to be the phoenix that rises to create this nation that is has the potential of being a true melting pot of all peoples. And Amanda, the young African queen that came out <laughs> with her red headpiece and her power and her words, it was like the goddess herself was channeling through this woman, I mean, living in a racist, misogynist country to see what is happening now and the possibilities. And it's just so incredibly exciting while recognizing truly the reality that was exposed to us through Trump's time, myself amongst many others, being naive to the level of hatred and white supremacy and this deep hateful desire to keep the nation white. And I tell my women's circles, you know, Texas in a few years is going to be majority Hispanic. And as hard as Trump and Steve Miller tried to keep America white we are recognizing that um, it's like the browning of America. They can't stop it. And we are going to be majority brown before too long. And we have to have a country that is good for all. Mm -hmm. So that's how I'm feeling today, Diana. I'm yeah. so excited and grateful and happy. <laughs> Very powerful. Yeah, it's a powerful feeling of relief. Mm.
it's like the whole, not the whole country, but a lot of the country did a deep exhale when Trumpy flew away. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All of us in unison. <laughs> um, so you are the founder of Lightheart Sanctuary, which is in New Haven, Vermont. Yes. And it's crazy to me that I have yet to be on your incredible land <laughs> after all this time that I've known you. Um, but I wonder if you could describe a little bit to the folks listening um, what Lightheart Sanctuary is and um, some of the regular things that you offer to your community. The Lightheart Sanctuary is, um, was created about 22 years ago. And my husband is a, a builder carpenter, retired. And I asked him if he would be willing to make me a round building in the forest. <laughs> and he said, well, maybe let me draw up the plans. And then he came back and he said, would you be willing to have an eight-sided building? That would be so much easier for us to build. So I said, yes. So the two of us built a building, much of it uh, recycled. We were very uh, fortunate. He was involved in a job and there was a lot of recycled um, materials that we could use. So it's an eight-sided building that is a medicine wheel and there's four double doors that open to the four directions. So that energy is there. And at the very top of the ceiling, I have an eight pointed Cherokee star. And the, the sanctuary is dedicated as a temple to mother earth for healing and for all life upon her. And that's where I have my healing sessions. I have a, a, a beautiful little wood stove that you can see the flame in. So it's like a fireplace. So it's very cozy. And over time, the energies there have shifted so deeply. Um, you know, the holy helpers, the unseen, the invisibles, the angels, and the, um, the star nation, and the galactic watchers, and this whole vast vast um, array of holy helpers that are watching us and helping us. Um, I'm, I'm feeling very shy all of a sudden because this my work is so deep and so sacred and I don't often speak of these things or share them mm -hmm. um, outside of the immediate spiritual community of women who have been coming here regularly for many, many years for a monthly goddess circle. Um, what has evolved is that they have asked me to work with them there. So I opened up a big portal for them to pour their high frequency love and light energies in. And then whoever comes there, including me, I'm very grateful to, to be in this energy and because it's an outbuilding where there's not everyday activity. It doesn't have electricity. So, you know, you can't cook, et cetera. It's set aside for sacredness. So there's a lot of time mm -hmm. 
when no one is there, when these uh, holy helpers can help. There's a lot of animal spirits involved in this as well. So I like to use the worm the, I like to use the term holy helpers because people have so many belief systems about their um, spiritual helpers and support. I work very deeply with the angelic kingdom and the star nation and um, with the star nation family and the first nations people. There's a tribe and spirit that lives here on the land. In fact, as a humorous aside, you know, here we are, it was 220, it was in the fall of 220 and I was out by our sweat house site and there's a big, huge bush of uh, wild raspberries there and I don't tend to them because they're wild and, you know, we, I, I'll gather some and share them with the birds. But I was over there and I heard this voice and it's a familiar voice because she helped me very deeply with the sweat house ceremony and she whispered to me, I wish you would be taking better care of these raspberry bushes. You know, when, when I lived here, I helped plant them and we tended them and you've just let them go to hell. So I was like, thank you very much for sharing. You know, I'm living in 2020. I have a busy life and I'm taking care of my parents and on and on and I'll do my best. And I said, by the way, have you seen the ones, the bushes that my husband has planted? Cause they're thriving. You could help us over there. <laughs> So I have a very deep, deep, warm, close, intimate relationship with both the, the Star Nation and the First Nation. And I work very deeply with, um, it's mostly Celtic goddesses. Um, I work almost exclusively with women and I love men and they're welcome and they do come, but it's just evolved where my work is 90% women. and. I believe that that's because of my personal background being born into an extremely um, patriarchal Catholic background and having my spirit just totally repressed, oppressed. Um, I just never resonated with the Catholic church and because I was a female and there was no place for me. I would always be lesser than, I could never, ever, 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 ever be a priest I could never be equal and, you know, deacon doesn't do it for me. So um, I have a very, very deep devotion and commitment to claiming my own power and to empower mostly women to claim their power. And, at, uh, and on the sanctuary, I have my, um, my healing sessions there. And um, I ha I'm, 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 I'm hesitating because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And since March 13th, life has been very different. I do see clients in person. They're very carefully screened. I've had to turn away, you know, anyone who's traveled or who isn't um, exquisitely careful. However, I, um, I take care of my 95-year-old mom. My 98-year-old uh, father died in November. So mm -hmm. my mom needs a lot of TLC and I help take care of her because she's vulnerable and she hasn't gotten, she hasn't gotten the vaccination yet. Mm -hmm. um, I have to be vigilantly, vigilantly careful. And I am, and I, um, 
I'm willing to get a little far out here. My dad died November 4th and I cared intimately for him. He um, was like a baby at the end. He went into hospice in June, he died in November. And my mother, they were married for 75 years. It was so important to my father. It was like an obsession and he did have dementia that he be able to be at home. He did not want to be put away any place. So we were able to fulfill his promise and to um, keep him at home and, and take care of him. Mm -hmm. And about a month after he died at three o'clock in the morning, I was awakened by this bright, 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 bright light by my bed. And it was my father telling me how grateful he was mm -hmm. and how much he loved me. And it was just awesome. It was, uh, love of a quality that I never felt from him when he was alive, but the quality of the love was so intense. And he thanked me for keeping him at home and taking care of him. And he, he basically told me to just remember the good times and to celebrate life. And then he, he handed me something. I, I, it was like light and it was in the middle of the night in the dark by the side of my bed and he handed me this thing and he said this is to protect you from the virus i'm going to i'm going to protect you and take care of you and the family from the virus so that was just an incredible gift and i also you know i'm a witch i believe in white light i believe that we have sovereignty over our bodies and that we can decree i'm not really into spells and manipulating i i'm more about uh allowing and opening for the great universe to bless us with our highest good. And sometimes we don't know what our highest good is. So universe, please don't give it to us when we're confused. <laughs> so I don't have fear around the pandemic. It was, uh, I had to shut my business down overnight, which was shocking because I'm a self-supporting woman who has to have a livelihood. And it was quite shocking and upsetting, but my inner guidance just was, stay away from fear, stay in the love. So I tussled very deeply with fear for about four or five days. Um, it felt like survival because how was I gonna pay my bills if I couldn't work? But I worked it out. My husband and I, we went out to the forest. There wasn't very much snow last March. And so we went and we worked in the forest and we did some clearing and we had some fires and it was just such the deepest, deepest blessing to live where we do during those times. And it eventually worked out. I hopped on Zoom and had enough income. And then um, mm -hmm. Governor Scott allowed outdoor mm -hmm. gatherings if you were masked and socially distanced. So I learned how adaptable and flexible I am. And what evolved was some May through October, we had outdoor circles. I was out there with my yardstick. There had to be, I had seven feet between everybody, between the chairs. So we were, we could gather and we, you know, could sing and see each other. And it was the greatest blessing to offer that safely for people because this is such an enormously um, challenging time. It's a daunting, daunting time for the whole world. This 
pandemic has created such an enormous um, challenge for so many and so many are suffering. And it was such a gift to, um, you know, share our sisterhood and our look into each other's eyes and support each other and to share. And um, now I'm back on Zoom with it. And Zoom has actually, I'm not a technological person. In fact, I may be digitally dyslexic. I have issues. However, being a, you know, a spiritual healer and working with energy all the time, I am just thrilled at what is happening with the, with the opportunities to develop the telepathy. And um, a couple of weeks ago, um, we had the, the Reiki circle and the feedback was so, it was the first time I've ever had a Reiki circle with more than me giving Reiki. And the power of that group and the energy and the feedback of how people felt the energetic movement, I'm just so grateful for people to have the ability to be connected in any way. And I would agree with anybody. I so prefer in person. I prefer in person looking deeply into the person's eyes and, you know, their energy and the, but I'm realizing that, you know, everything's perfect in ways that we don't understand. So this possibly could just be a wonderful opportunity for all of us to, um, you know, expand our innate gifts of energy movement, energy connection. And, um, you know, I see energy, but I wasn't seeing it on Zoom. And then in that circle, when we were all sending to one person, I just saw all the energy around her. And so I'm very, very excited about people have some place to connect in this daunting time of isolation. Yeah, yeah, it's we it's it's a wonderful thing to be able to be on screen at the very least. And for folks who are listening and, and don't know what a Reiki circle is, it's um, typically for uh, Reiki level two practitioners who um, have learned the distance symbol. So we can send distance Reiki to each other no matter where we are, what we're doing. Um, and so the the online Reiki circle is a little bit more focused, I think, too, and, and very powerful. I just had my first one as well, and the feedback was fantastic, and everyone was feeling more grounded and relaxed, and it was really special. So I think the more we can do that, the better. Absolutely. It's really, just think if there were, you know, millions of Reiki circles. I mean, hopefully after the pandemic, we'll just be able to get our hands on people. Um, you know, uh, a group of people are around somebody, but in the meantime, it is, uh, it's, it's very exciting. And we're shifting into the age of Aquarius that is about electricity and innovation and the genius of the human mind. So, you know, people often ask me, you know, how come you're so upbeat and optimistic? And I'll say, you know, we are shifting into a new age where, you know, the, the, the imagery is of this huge androgynous being pouring pure, unlimited, fresh waters over the earth. It's, it's just an unprecedented time to, um, for the collective to get together. So, mm -hmm. you know, if there's millions of Reiki circles, 
all over the place, then, um, you know, we can clean up the mess that we've made. Um, what, Diana, one thing that I love to talk about mm -hmm. is that I have realized, especially in the last four years, because I do believe that one of the reasons why people are experiencing so much depression um, personally and collectively is that because, you know, as a healer of um, 30 years, one thing that I do notice is that humans love to deny and avoid. It's just this almost innate um, desire to avoid pain or um, shadow. I speak more in terms of light and shadow than, um, you know, good and evil. I do believe that evil exists. But in, in personal work with people, I, I, I certainly like to use the, the, the words light and shadow. It's just as true and it's kinder. Um, the word evil has a real intense uh, vibe to it. And I use the word very, very, very uh, rarely. However, I, what I see happened is that last March, it was like divine mother came to the earth and she said, time out, go to your rooms and think and feel deeply about who you are, what your life is like, and this opportunity for people to go inside, forced, forced. And I have the deepest compassion. I've helped so many through that. What surfaced without the distractions? Mm -hmm. um, nowadays, with the computer, you know, you could you can reach enlightenment reading and finding things on it, and you can also be so distracted by egoic, um, narcissistic, superficial glamour, mm -hmm. and superficial bullshit that there seems to be an awful lot of it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a judgment, it's an observation. You know, there's a slick bullshit all over the place why we have the opportunity to go deep. Um, it's not having a perfect yoga body, it's having a perfect heart mm -hmm. that is uh, giving and receiving a lot of love and especially for ourselves. So this dark collective dark night of the soul gives us the opportunity to look deeply and so much was revealed both personally and especially collectively what Trump revealed was very disheartening because so many of us denied and avoided the level of hateful white supremacy, for example. And I, I have to admit that I did not know how deeply, deeply entrenched it was. And, you know, I, I lived in Texas for a year and have traveled through the South and just always was so grateful I didn't live in the South. Um, <laughs> Mm -hmm. So we're given, we're being given the opportunity and many people are depressed. That's usually the main issue with my clients. Mm -hmm. So it's an opportunity because, you know, it's sink or swim. We're at an incredible juncture mm -hmm. of earth stewardship or lack of, oh, the point I, I, that was very important to me is that we all, it, we pretty much all know what most of the problems are now, especially mm -hmm. as far as taking care of the earth and moving forward onto seven generations so that we have 
you know, a habitable earth that has clean water and clean air and soil that will produce the food that we need. So we, we are at a juncture where we really got a, a, you know, it's like a train barreling towards the end of the cliff. And a while back, we collectively decided we were not going to do that. So we're turning the train around and it takes time and energy and focus and commitment and hope, you know, it's depression and despair. Those are the issues. Mm -hmm. So I live to hose down the world with hope because I see what's coming. I've had premonitions of the new earth. And um, in 2009, I had a near-death experience. I had acute limes and I went over, I crossed over. I was hovering over my body on the bed, looking at it and saying, holy fucking shit, this is it, man. Whoa, baby, that, ooh, I, oh, oh. I remember, <laughs> fuck, I remember, fuck. I remember reading, ooh. So off I went, I had no control over it. And my joke about this is, you take yourself with you wherever you go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, while I was on the spirit plane, I did have a group of, uh, some were familiar, weren't, some weren't so familiar. And they gave me the news that I had to go back. Um, they had some things for me to do before I go. And I, I had some questions. Um, so they shared with me that things are going to be quite stirred up through 2024, and this was 2009 that I had this near-death experience, so it was a while ago. The things are gonna be stirred up and then they'd be settling. And of course, I'm hoping and praying that we will have President Lotus in 2024. <laughs> and if we have President Lotus in 2024, then things can just keep rolling along this uh, transformative, restorative uh, path that we, are on after yesterday. And then, um, and when I, when I returned to my bed and was thinking about them, I was doing the math to figure out if I was still gonna be alive or not, because they told me that by roughly, and it's all approximate based upon humans' free will decisions, because our consciousness and free will choices um, will decide the path and how quickly we get there. They said that in 20, by the 2038, that the new frequencies, I mean, many of us believe that we are being poured with a higher frequency. It's not just for humanity, it's for mother earth herself because many people forget that mother earth herself is also on a path of ascension. And I've heard in my meditations in the, um, in the sacred sanctuary, that the earth has been quarantined in this. Um, oh, I see your kitty, Diana. Oh, pretty <laughs> kitty. Um, what was I saying? Um, what you they were telling you about um, oh, the quarantine. 38, yeah. The, the energies that are coming down from the earth. This is, uh, and I'd love for you to ask me about the labyrinth because mm -hmm. this is connected with it. The, okay. the very, very high frequency love and light and it always looks very very golden to me not yellow very very golden the energy that is coming down to activate to catalyze to awaken and mother earth has been quarantined in our solar system from humans uh 
you know, just the densities of fear and hate and worry and scarcity and, you know, all the heavy energies that um, humans have been entertaining for so long. And now we have this opportunity with the shift of the ages to really do a, a radical reset. And by 2038, that both from the human hearts, because human free will is the decider, and we were given this precious Garden of Eden to take care of and um, have created a lot of problems in our forgetting. To stay away from judgment, I always say, we forgot and now we're remembering. Mm -hmm. So by 2038, the new earth energies will be anchored enough that it's just assured. And also that all that you, Diana, and me, everyone listening to this, and so many billions of people on the earth, the vision that they hold of the restored, healed earth um, is just spreading like wildfire. Mm -hmm. because we've created enormous problems. And I just tell everybody, if you can every single day and many times during the day, but at least once when you wake up in the morning, just send your love to the mother earth. You know, she's really struggling now. We're in the midst of the sixth grade extinction. We're losing a lot of life while they're also discovering a lot of new life. And to keep my spirits up because um, that's something that I choose to do. I believe that it's so much more important to focus on the solutions because when we focus on the problems, we know what the problems are. And it really drags my heart down when I focus on, you know, the pollution and the abuse of mother earth who I adore that, that, that doesn't, that saps my strength to focus on the solutions. And I believe that the great universe is all about solutions. It's certainly not about the problems that humans created. Mm -hmm. It allows us to create it through the divine gift of free will, but it's not responsible. How, so it would love to shower us with all the solutions that we need now to um, you know, have good clean energy and food for everybody and a roof over everybody's head. I mean, that's what divine mother, the divine goddess cares about. She cares about um, the suffering. She cares. She wants a roof over your head if you live where you need one. And, you know, for ever, all of her children to have the basics, you know, it's just kind of really fucked up when a couple people at the top have everything and mm -hmm. the masses don't. And I, believe that's a huge part of the the reshifting that's happening yeah so <clears throat> maureen you do you know like myself are multifaceted creatrix of all of these things um under lightheart sanctuary and so there's a few things that we can talk about but we'll start with the labyrinth first because it seems like it's connected to what you're previously speaking to so there's a labyrinth on your property correct Yes, many, 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 many years ago, um, I used to be associated with the American Society of Dowsers. They would have me come and present and give talks. And um, it's where I overcame my paralyzing, debilitating fear of public speaking because like many people, I've been killed five times for standing in the light. And that's great until the lions come or they light the match or, um, 
so this fear that so many of us witches have had to overcome that fear to stand in our power. And I make jokes, well, they're not going to drag me to the, you know, the Bristol town green and light a fire and, you know, it ain't happening. It is absolutely safe to just claim your power and use it to heal this world, to transform the world. It's totally safe. They're not coming after us this time. But, you know, if you've been chased by dogs in the forest at night and then mauled or you've been thrown into the fire, or all of your best friends in the village turned you in because you were a midwife and healer and you got burnt, you know, and the, and the soul all time is simultaneous. So the level of terror that used to come up and I it was just so unbearable. But I did overcome it. I have to admit a couple of times standing up in front of, you know, like, a, you know, a big, huge crowd of people. I did look down at my feet to make sure there wasn't a puddle of pee there. <laughs> I feel that. Mm-hmm. There's so many men there. And I love men. I adore men. But they can be a little uh, right-brained. I'm dyslexic. The part that's the math and science. And they were all looking at me like, oh, you're the next great thing. And I talked to them about love and Mother Earth and what the flowers could do for their heart. And um, I, so I, I met a woman there, Marty Kane, who's a, a world famous labyrinth maker. She, I just adored her because she's so humble and powerful and goes around building labyrinths. She talked the president of Harvard and allowing her to make a big, huge labyrinth behind the, uh, the dormitories where everybody at Harvard could walk the labyrinth. So she came locally to a friend's house to teach us how to build a labyrinth. So my husband and I created a labyrinth. My goodness, it's probably 25 years ago. I mow it with a mower. So it's a, you know, a one path and then it's natural. So I let the the earth just grow what she wants. And I asked the earth if she could please add some more flowers in there. So every year there's more and more flowers. Um, It's a seven path labyrinth. It opens to the left. So it's a yin. You can open to the left or the right. And I was so fascinated by the labyrinth because I have come to believe that they were originally crop circles that were just put down on the earth. Um, (coughs) Excuse me, (coughs) because they appeared all at the same time simultaneously Hmm. in um, the British Isles, Greece, Southwestern America. Hmm. And I do know that the Hopis have a male and a female labyrinth. The female is round and the male is square. But ours is seven path. Each path um, clears and touches a chakra. And I tell people that this doesn't need to be conscious. You don't need to know what path is for what uh, chakra. So we turn left and I invite people to release anything that they would love to release that may be heavy that they would like to lighten up. On the in on the in on the walk in to release, and then in the center, pre pandemic, our groups and circles would always walk the path together with our drums and our rattles, and we get to the center and we sing songs of love, praise, and gratitude to Mother Earth. Um, now we haven't, we aren't doing that. Hopefully soon, and 
I mentioned before some of my work in the sanctuary with creating, um, anchoring the, the new energies to um, support the new crystalline grid system that's forming on the earth. And so many people are involved with this. It's very, very exciting. And the angels of both the heaven and the earth are um, orchestrating all of this. And there are many humans willing to do this. So I was asked um, to put a, a crystal in the center of the labyrinth, a big point that is half in the earth and half out of the earth. And then with my prayers, an invitation that was readily accepted. The angels are just waiting for our call. And, you know, there's a, a law of non-interference on our planet. We have to ask, um, unless it's your guardian angel and you're going to die before your time, they will interfere then. But um, there are bazillions of angels waiting for us to ask them for help. I have a very, very, very deep, deep love and the deepest gratitude for the angels mm -hmm. and because you know a deep part of my work is working with the elemental spirits of the earth the um the fairies that i call angels in training because there's a hierarchical evolution where they have the opportunity to um evolve to being much greater than they are like all of us so these energies that come down from the heavens and hit the crystal, the point of the crystal, and then it's spread out. It spreads out like rays of light over the earth. And they showed me how there are so many doing this. And then as the, as the, the light rays go out and they'll hit another one, and then that will, is hitting another. And so we're, we're creating um, this vast network of love light all over the planet, which is so exciting. And so many of us don't speak of it. Um, but I've been, I've been being encouraged by the goddess and the angels and my guys to, to talk more openly about my deep sacred work. My son is in the 12th house, so I can be a little private, um, having learned in the past that, um, when I shared prematurely with people who don't understand, I wanna keep it pure so I'm not opening it up to um, outside influences that um, may not resonate at the same wavelength, should we say. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's that, you know, I'm sure you understand this too, Diane, it's that balance of, of sharing what is appropriate and also the divine timing of the sharing that sometimes I have learned to um, nurture it inside of myself before I do share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to sit with sometimes. Yes. Yeah, and it's important. And so um, thank you for that explanation of the labyrinth. I could sort of feel the energy just as you were speaking talking about it it's really spectacular <laughs> I walk it year round you know it gets under the snow but um the path is visible so I off I often walk it through the pandemic I have walked it so much because it's a um by the time you're almost to the center you can just because you've asked mm -hmm. you know the heavens and the earth um to release the strain and the stress and 
um, you know, the heaviness that uh, mm -hmm. can glob on us in a pandemic. Yeah, you know, I think with, um, you know, because I've known you for quite a few years now, and I've been in some of your classes, and now finally have been in one of the goddess circles online. Um, it was so good to have you. I know, that was so, <laughs> boy, I felt so much better after that. Um, oh. And, you know, your flower essences and your photography all have this um, similar starlight energy. Um, and I remember when I first met you at the Medicine Women's Retreat, you were teaching a class and I was standing, and you had crystals and flower essences and photographs. And I got one of the photographs, the um, spiderweb diva, I think it's called. Um, and that's in my yurt right now. Oh, the one that looks like an angel? Yeah. Like spiderweb. Yeah, twisted spiderweb. And it really yes. my eye. And so I could just, you know, feel all across the things that you do. There's this really powerful, you know, light source and angelic um, and starlight energy that's really important for other people to experience it. And I know that you make a lot of flower essences too for people, correct? I do. I, flower essences are one of my deepest, deepest passions. There you go. There you are. You cut out for a minute there. Okay. Sorry about the phone ringing. Um, flower essences are one of my deepest passions. Um, I, I was a hardcore alcoholic. I almost died from alcoholism. I just had uh, a very, uh, you know, painful, traumatic uh, background with a lot of trauma. And I completely and totally numbed myself. I almost, I should have been dead many times. That's one of the reasons I am so, so deeply grateful to the angels. I mean, I used to ride around without a helmet on the back of a Harley Davidson hanging on to my partner with one arm while I was guzzling whiskey, you know, going 120. Uh, so I know the angels kept me on that Harley um, and other times when I should have died and I didn't. And I'm so grateful because I love my life. I love the opportunity that I gave myself when I got sober. Um, so when I got sober, I, was smoking four packs of cigarettes a day, um, just lighting them off of each other. My level of anxiety and uh, was just off the charts. So when I quit smoking, I had a volcanic eruption, emotional eruption that was uh, unmanageable. It just, I was, I just had a total breakdown, weeping and couldn't function and I was a waitress. I remember I had to take three days off from work. And uh, to make a long story short, I saw the one and only therapist I've ever seen. I saw him for a year. And I was in his office sharing something from my childhood. And I had a panic attack. And he jumped up and he said, open your mouth. And he poured Dr. Bach rescue remedy, which was pure brandy, into my mouth when I had been sober for two years. And it, that was a, uh, that was, it was all a traumatic experience. I was having a panic attack and all of a sudden my mouth was filled with straight brandy. And I just 
thought I would die, but it was rescue remedy. So it calmed me down. And I was so amazed at, I was in the middle of a fucking freak out and Dr. Bach calmed me down. So I had to find out about that dude fast. And the therapist was, oh my God, oh my God, your aura is going crazy. Your aura is going crazy. And I was like, no shit, buddy. Didn't I just tell you I was an alcoholic? But anyway, it was a panic situation for him and he wasn't thinking. So I bought myself uh, the whole Dr. Bach kit, all of them. Mm-hmm. and started using them, greatly diluting them. I would put, you know, a 16 ounce glass of water, you know, four drops. So the alcohol would be diluted. And one day I had a very, very brutally difficult um, exchange with somebody on the phone. Um, and I was so rattled from head to foot that I just like went out into the yard because I always go to Mother Earth. She's my mama and she comforts me. Um, and this flower that was growing, I'll never forget it. It was a bright orange red enchantment lily. And it had all the little black dots in the center. And I was just drawn over to it. And the flower said, please make an essence of this. You need me right now. And it was for, for repressed rage. So I, I don't even remember. I mean, we didn't have inter- we didn't have the computer or anything. I don't even remember how I knew how to make them. Maybe it was in one of the Dr. Bach books because I bought them all. Um, Heal or Heal Thyself is a fabulous, fabulous book about healing the Heal or Heal Thyself um, because it's soul therapy. Flower essences are like soul therapy. So I started making essences for myself, self-medicating with the flowers that were just in my yard and I continued with the Bach. And then I started thinking, well, if the flowers in the countryside of England are healers, then the flowers here must be too. So I started experimenting with them in uh, 1990, I started my, uh, healing practice. I had apprenticed two years with the therapeutic touch um, healer. And after my apprenticeship, I put out my shingle and started seeing people in the house before we built the sanctuary. And I was so excited and the mother, mother, the nature spirits and the elementals and everybody was so excited that I just dove right in and started making the essences and sharing them with my clients and family and friends that were open. And I just am so deeply grateful. I can't even ever express the level of my gratitude to the earth for her flowers because they have been my greatest, greatest allies. I, I They work on every level, but they're mostly emotional soul. Our soul is so connected to our emotional body. And um, our emotional bodies are so soothed. And they do soothe the mental body and they come from the spirit. They, they, they work with every level of our being. So now, I mean, pre-pandemic, whenever I travel, 
I, you know, I have developed a very, very close, intimate communication with the devas. My license plate says devas and the angels of nature and the elementals of all the, uh, the four elements. But being Irish, I have the deepest love for the fairies, the flower fairies, and also the larger, I mean, the word fairies, people think that they're cute little, you know, tiny little flower fairies flying around the flowers. And that certainly is true. I, for 15 years, I had a fairy day here for the children. And when the pandemic is over, I will resume it. And when the children came and they would ask me about the flower fairies, I would share that they, they look like hundreds of lightning, lightning bugs around the bush, except it's in daylight. And that's a visual that children can really, really understand. So the making and the using of flower essences deepens my love for the earth constantly. And when I travel, I tune in um, to the flowers that are there. I often, um, like we went to the Canadian Rockies a couple of years ago, which was the holiest, most sacred place on earth I have ever, ever felt. Um, I had some of my most amazing spiritual experiences there with the angels of nature. And also I'm happy to say my sister is a physical therapist, wild woman, far out healer in St. Thomas, the Virgin Islands where people need so much healing. God bless them. Um, we have been there many, many times and the energy is very unsettled and all the native peoples there were you know, brought on ships there. So they have that, the pain of that, um, that history. And, you know, it's the pain kind of permeates the, the island, although it is clearing. And so my sister, um, when I was there, I developed uh, seven chakra flower essences that grow there on the islands. And I'm just thrilled that uh, people are beginning to really, really open up, up to their healing. Before we began, Diana, we, um, to share with the listeners, you and I spoke about how flower essence energy medicine is not mainstream yet. And I've been making and selling them, um, you know, for the public and stores and online for a very, very long time now. And I would say just in like in the last year, maybe two years that there's more and more interest and I used to be a little disheartened because, you know, I was so excited that uh, the world could heal with the flowers and um, people get confused between essential oils and flower essences. And they're both energetic, but they're different. They're, they have a different way of affecting your system. And, um, one of my favorite teachers I ever had was Serge Kahili King, a Hawaiian shaman who was taken under the wing of the kahunas. And I was blessed to have a training with him. I love the Hawaiian psychological um, system. They keep it simple. Their word for, for sick is tight and their word for health is loose. That says it all, <laughs> let's keep it simple. Choose tight and fear or choose loosey goosey love. Which would you rather be feeling? <laughs> so, and he told me, and this was 
I'm trying to think 20 years ago, I met him and had this conversation. He told me that the kahunas told him that the flowers are the medicine of the future. So I don't know what they mean by future, but to me, the future is now because he told me that 20 years ago. So I'm very excited about the possibilities. I love to teach people how to make them. Of course, I love to sell them, but I care more about, I have this dream that every household who lives where there are flowers, that they can, um, you know, have 10, 15 flowers of the flowers that grow around them for, um, themselves and their family and their friends and their community. I really do see the time where um, I, many years ago, I read that if you live in New York City or a municipal, um, if you have a municipal water system, that the water that you're drinking is filled with um, antidepressants because so many people take those pharmaceuticals for their depression. And I have had so many clients that come to me and say, I've been on antidepressants for six months, a year, two years. And I've, I'm, now I'm, I'm not feeling anything. I'm flatlining and I, can you help me? And of course I tell them to work with their doctor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, witches in the woods cannot dispense medical advice. Mm -hmm. So I ask them to work with their medical doctor or their psychiatrist, whoever prescribed it and to see if it's appropriate um, to wean themselves off them. Because I believe that flower essences are mother nature's antidepressant. They're soothers. The, you know, a lot of people take anti-anxiety now. So, um, you know, the pharmaceuticals, some people need them. And I do not have any, any judgment upon anyone who feels that that support helps them. Absolutely not. Many of my clients do take um, medications and we work deeply together and maybe it will evolve if they're doing their inner work, which to me is self-love. The whole basis of the whole problem is lack of self-love from our history. Mm -hmm. Organized religion and the patriarchy. I mean, how do you take people's power away? You make them feel like shit. You make mm -hmm. them feel worthless. You make them feel like they don't have power. Well, now we know that we have value, we have worth, we have power and we're rising up and the patriarchy is over and we can um, go to the earth for our healing and use it and share it. And um, hopefully a lot of people that are clinging and clutching to the old ways as, the, as it dissolves under their feet, you know, maybe they'll be open to flower essences too. I My dream is, and I'm getting up there, I'm almost 70. So um, my dream is to see it, it mainstreamed. Mm -hmm. Maybe on my deathbed, when I'm like 95, someone can whisper, Maureen, everybody's taking flower essences now. Big <laughs> Pharma has fallen. Big Pharma's <laughs> done. They're going to the herbs of the earth. And I would just float off into heaven with mm -hmm. the deepest heart of gratitude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you, Maureen. So um, we can t either take a short break right now and come back and maybe talk about the sweat house and some Celtic witchery um, and your beautiful bear claw, um, or we could wrap it up. How are you feeling? I'd love to pee and come back. 
Perfect. Okay, so let's take a break, everyone. We'll be right back. Hey, friends. So this uh, short recording is in case uh, the second segment of these, this podcast episode is not recovered. So in case that comes to be, I wanted to come back on and just touch base on a couple things that um, are going to be missing. However, you can also jump on to uh, Maureen's website, lightheart.net, and learn more about these things that I'm going to briefly mention. Um, I cannot, you know, recap her energy and her powerful, magical words that were shared in the second segment, which is hard um, for me that I've lost it. But I must uh, have faith that there's a purpose for that and um, also a good lesson for me in moving through the Zoom world and the podcast world on my own. Um, in my business of Mountain Hollow Medicinals, I'm the only person who does all of the many things that keep a business functioning. So one of my goals for the year 2021 is to find help. Um, and also be open to asking for help, which has been something I've struggled with in the past. So um, with help and um, with help brings more creativity and more opportunity. And so I'm definitely ready for that in 2021 as Mountain Hollow expands and grows and there's a lot uh, to keep up with. So the three topics that Maureen and I touched upon in the second segment was her magical labyrinth that um, she built with a First Nations um, woman um, and spirit who came to her um, and helped her create this. Um, and someone she met, um, I'm trying to recall all this. The, she has so many beautiful stories. I just wish you could have heard this story and experiences. Um, someone she's she trusted to come and help her build it. So it's she has a labyrinth at Lightheart Sanctuary. And it brings in energy um, from what I will say is like divine source. You know, this beautiful golden light that she described. It comes in um, and... I'm not an expert on labyrinths and I've walked one um, and it was a very powerful experience. I actually hesitated and um, wasn't sure if I was going to enter, but I went ahead and did so anyway. And it was probably one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had. I mean, you walk in knowing there's some things that you want to intentionally release. You get to the center and you release them and then you walk back out sort of with this new feeling, this new sensation, and it is very healing. So um, Maureen holds a lot of, or pre-COVID, held gatherings, um, goddess circles, ceremony, um, sweat house ceremonies, <clears throat> which sweat house is um, from her Celtic lineage. <clears throat> so um, the labyrinth I think comes into play with a lot of the work she does there 
um, it's a beautiful tool and there's many incredible books written about labyrinths and in history so she described you know her labyrinth more in depth and um, the energy I could feel while she was describing it was really fantastic and, and beautiful so you could kind of get a sense of it you know during the recording uh, the sweat house ceremony you know there's in history there's been sweat lodge um, traditionally done in various cultures all over the globe um, it doesn't necessarily belong to one culture or a group of people um, and it's facilitated in different ways of course in different cultures Maureen was mentioning that the only <clears throat> area of the world where she couldn't really find a lot of information on sweat houses or sweat lodges was in South America so she wasn't sure if they um, practiced this um, particular uh, ceremony so Instead of sweat lodge, we call it sweat house because that is what it's called in um, her traditional Celtic lineage. Um, she holds sweat house in the spring and the fall. Um, and I have yet to be able to join in one, but um, it always, from a distance, feels like a really beautiful light healing energy. And what I love about Maureen the most is in fact that light energy you know there's not many people that you meet and many teachers that you meet that really hold the star light and I mean it's just clear golden light um and you look in Maureen's eyes and it's very it's very present it's very there and it's what drew me to her it's what um allowed me to feel safe with her and listen and um, and really absorb the information that she teaches and shares. And it really feels, you know, her connection to spirit. Um, there's no second degree or there's no separation. Um, she's directly connected to spirit and it moves through her and communicates through her for us so that we can receive what we need to receive. And it's a really beautiful thing. It's you know, she uses the word holy in, in our conversation, and it is holy, you know, the experience that you have with her. It's, But that beautiful loving light is just, you know, you don't have to say or hear or experience that much. If you just experience that light within her, it's a really powerful, you know, healing experience in itself. So, um, and you know, we, we touched upon how you know, practitioners like her and I have been attacked for putting ourselves out there uh, in various ways, including, um, you know, in particular, her sweat house ceremony being called a sweat lodge in the past. You know, she's been really brutally um, attacked verbally by people for cultural appropriation. But, you know, and I have too, even though I'm making something that my ancestors made as well. So, this can be, you know, really challenging. And what I've come to terms with understanding this is that when someone attacks me verbally in this way for that reason, it's a traumatic reaction that they're having that really doesn't have anything to do with me. Um, it's not a response, okay? A response would be, 
hmm, maybe I want to call or email or check in with this person and ask some questions and understand more what they're doing and why they're doing it and what the purpose is. That's a response because then you can have a conversation that could be really healing or you find out that maybe that person isn't quite authentic and you might want to share some information with them um, you know, about the history and the culture and the lineage that's really important and sacred. Um, but what I find is, you know, this, this real, you know, triggered anger that lashes out on others, um, is very irrational and, um, doesn't have a lot of, uh, groundedness behind it. So, you know, Maureen mentioned she changed her sweat lodge to sweat house because that is really her lineage and Irish Celtic, um, history and so and that's where her ceremonies come from she does not practice the first nation uh sweat lodge ceremony at all it's very different um so i think you know there's a lot to know and there's a lot to understand and it's better to ask questions than to just attack someone because you're angry in general or you're you still have you know such a deep wound and you're you know really traumatized by or you know you have ancestral trauma too I mean we all carry that in somewhere form and it's become such a such a um, mixed bag that we are just sort of canceling each other out rather than um, practicing you know questions and listening and understanding and coming together more and working together more we all have different cultural backgrounds we all are very well mixed <laughs> with cultural backgrounds and we're all drawn to a root of something in our culture that's really important and powerful for each of us and it's it's essential that we're able to connect with it without being attacked um so we talked a lot about that more in depth than I am now. And I, I think that was a really helpful conversation because so many of us have faced this as putting ourselves out there um, as healers or practitioners or witches or, um, you know, whatever ceremonies we practice um, that we feel most rooted and connected to and have gained teachings and worked with proper teachers for. So, yeah, um, I really hope that this recording doesn't come out and the other one does <laughs> so you can hear it. Um, the last thing, and we also talked about uh, the witches of Scotland and Ireland and these old traditions and ways. And it's just, it was such a beautiful thing for me because I'm now coming into my uh, Scottish lineage for the first time and it's very exciting and it's new and it's more magical than I ever could have imagined it would be and um, it's very powerful to to do this work and to understand uh, where you're coming from and where your people came from and where your ancestor came from and it's incredible how mixed it really is uh, it's a wild it's a wild journey so the last thing Maureen shared with us was her beautiful story about her bear claw necklace um, that she carries with her and uses uh, as a healing tool in sessions for cutting cords of, to old patterns or thoughts um, or things that just need to be cut um, from the person in the session. So 
she mentioned that a friend came to her sanctuary and they were walking up the path to the sanctuary building and um, the woman told Maureen that she was seeing things with her guides and saw a grizzly bear behind her, a brown bear to her left and a black bear to her right and that there was a lot of bear medicine with her and, you know, Maureen described that you know she works a lot with bear medicine and um, it has been very helpful in her life at times to kind of retreat into the bear medicine and get the support the mama bear support she really needs Um, and so the woman that was with Maureen said that she had this vision from spirit that it was really important for Maureen to get a bear claw and Maureen was saying well I'm vegetarian I don't really you know we're not hunters you know um, it's okay, I don't really need to access that. But the woman came back and said, Maureen, this is a very strong message. And so they said, okay, and carried on. Uh, a few days later, Maureen was helping her husband at a, um, a fair, um, like a craft fair, helping him set up. And a man, um, came up to them on a bike with a long ponytail and, started talking to her and uh, Maureen's a very friendly person (laughs) if you've never met her she's wonderful to talk to Um, and turns out he's a veteran and a Cherokee man and he had a necklace on that had a bear claw on it and they were talking and Maureen just casually said oh that's a really nice bear claw necklace you have and he looked up, she said he looked up for a minute and looked back at her and said, Spirit is telling me I need to give you this bear claw. And Maureen said, oh, no, no, you know, it's this is your necklace, that's okay, you don't need to do that. And he looked at her and he said, no, I have to. And so he gave it to her and she's had it ever since and she uses it. So Maureen was saying in the recording, thank you, Spirit, <laughs> it's really powerful. Um, And how when we experience those moments of messages coming through and the affirmations of it uh, coming, manifesting into something real, you know, that bear claw is real, um, can can make you feel so loved and noticed and seen by spirit uh, in the universe or or God or, you know, whatever it is to you um, is all that matters because whatever it is to you, that's your guide, you know. Um, so it was a beautiful story of how these things can, can happen, um, you know, when we're open and listening and in tune with not just the world around us, but the many worlds around us. (laughs) So that's really what we dove into. And then we ended with just such a loving embrace of gratitude, uh, for each other and the work we do in our communities and how connected all of the practitioners and healers really are and how important it is and how important each of us are to be here now and to be doing the work we're doing in whatever way that is. Um, It's so, so, so important. So although I couldn't give you um, beautiful Maureen's voice in this recording and all of the many things that she mentioned that I probably missed, Um, I hope that I can just give you this recap that will just assure you, bring you something a little extra, and push you a little more to check out her website, lightheart.net, and follow her on Facebook so you can keep tabs on 
her events and um, when the sweat houses, the ceremonies reopen, uh, once COVID kind of passes through and made things get a little lighter and we can able to, you know, come together with masks and be distant and, and figure it out. So um, thank you all so much for listening and tuning in and being so graceful and patient with me as I move through uh, technology, you know, I'm very tech savvy, but boy, there are still things that are challenging. Um, but I've made it this far and I'm excited about it. <laughs> so I just want to thank you all for uh, listening and know that you have my gratitude for being here with me and continuing to be a part of this podcast and a part of Mountain Hollow Medicinals and, and just giggling with me and moving through this life Uh, with a light heart. (laughs) Thank you so much, Maureen. We love you and we are blessed to have your light in this world. Thanks so much, everyone. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the Dreaming in the Hollow podcast. I hope you enjoyed this amazing episode. Learn more about me and what I do here at mountainhollowmedicinals.com and check out my apothecary web shop where you can find incredible healing products and tools to support your own healing journey. But you can follow me on Instagram at Mountain Hollow Medicinals and keep in touch with me. And please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mountain hollow. Every Patreon subscriber starting at the $2 a month level has access to all of the many gifts, um, exclusive gifts from the podcast guests, along with monthly tarot readings um, and any additional offerings and gifts I have to give you. And you also have access to all of the past workshops that have previously happened in the yurt space when it was open before this pandemic we are now in. So there is an array of alternative wellness and complementary medicinal courses on our Patreon page. Please check it out and you would be supporting the podcast as a Patreon supporter and my small business, which I run by myself as a mother of two here at home as my husband works full time and I continue to work in my community and offer as much access as I can to education on wellness. Thank you all so much, and I look forward to next time.